We're looking at the I Am statements of Jesus Christ. I made seven of them in the Gospel of John, and of course, seven is the number of God. The I Am statements are identifying Jesus Christ as God. So look at John chapter 6, and let's start reading in verse 22. Um, Now remember what has just happened. Jesus Christ has just fed the 5,000, and He knows that the people are going to try and make Him a king, so He sends His disciples out in the ship. The storm comes up, and He comes and rescues them. Verse 22, the day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea... Let's do this. If you look at verse 35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now, how many of you have seen that verse and you're familiar with that verse? The context of it is very important, and um, it is this response to the feeding of the 5,000. Following the statement where Jesus said, I am the bread of life, is verse, look at verse uh, 54. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, how many of you know that there is a certain group of people who have taken that verse and run with it? Right? What's the context of it? And, you know, this is, this is one of the most controversial passages in the Bible. There's no doubt about it. This is one of the most controversial passages in the Bible with no reason. There's absolutely no reason for it to be controversial. So let's start reading in verse 22 again. The day following when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there save that one wherein two his disciples were entered, And that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias, nigh unto the place where they did eat bread, after that the Lord had given thanks. So what happened was when Jesus Christ calmed the sea, not only did he calm the sea, but the boat was immediately at the shore. So Jesus calmed the sea and he transported this boat to the shore. That's the part of the story that's almost always left out. How many of you, that's kind of left out, right? Um, Let's look at it. Verse 17. And he entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Isn't that an interesting miracle that's generally left out? So what is this? Remember, the Gospel of John presents Jesus Christ as God and the Son of God. So this is a very unique miracle. And so look at, uh, again, verse... So when the people got over there, they saw that, well, the disciples' boat's there, and we know Jesus didn't come in the boat. How did Jesus get here? And they want to ask... Verse 24, When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they say unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Now, if this was some kind of a faith healer, somebody that's trying to get something from the people, well, you see. But he didn't. This was something specifically for the disciples. This wasn't for common consumption. 
All right. Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. So they weren't coming really to see another miracle. They wanted free food. People are people. That's very interesting, isn't it? They wanted free food. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat, meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath the Father sealed. Now, where you see that him hath the Father sealed, John 6, 27, when you see that, that is a mark of authentication from God, and it cannot be removed. Verse 28, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Isn't that interesting? What work can we do that's the work of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Salvation is not by works, it's by faith. What's the one work you can do? Believe. Believe. That's it. Now, it is very interesting. For some people, belief is a lot of work because they don't want to believe. They want belief to be easy. How many of you have ever heard easy believism? You've heard that phrase. It's not easy to believe, especially if you're a skeptic. But if you choose to believe, then God will open your understanding and help you to believe. All right? They said, uh, look at verse 30. They said, therefore, unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see? What do the Jews require? A sign. And believe thee, what dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. <clears throat> Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. So first of all, Moses didn't bring the manna. God did. And secondly, the manna was just a picture of Jesus. Jesus is the true bread that comes from heaven. And it's interesting, the word manna is an untranslated word. It's a transliterated Hebrew word that means, what is it? What is it? You guys, when you first got married and your wife brought you dinner, that was manna. Well, what is it? Look at what it says in verse 33. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. So now, this bread of life, the first thing that I want you to see is it is required for salvation. The bread of life is required for salvation and must be believed on. Look at verse uh, 34. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Now remember, this is just like the woman at the well. Look at, look at John chapter 4. Verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and we, he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob? What's the answer? Yes. Which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle. Jesus answered and saith unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give shall never thirst. But the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water 
that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. It's the same thing. In every chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus speaks of something spiritual and they think it's physical. So here, Jesus Christ is speaking of spiritual water and she wants physical water when the spiritual water is way better. The same thing with this living bread in John chapter 6. The people want this, want physical bread, and he is speaking of spiritual bread. Verse 35, Jesus saith unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I have said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. So, a couple of things. Uh, there in verse 33, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven. So this cometh down from heaven. Jesus says that seven times in the chapter. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. What, what is this saying? Jesus Christ is the perfect gift that comes down from heaven. That's the idea. If you look in verse 33... It says, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven. Look at verse 38. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Verse 42. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph? And notice this here. The son of Joseph. Anytime you see Jesus Christ identified as the son of Joseph, always look for this. Watch. Whose father and mother we know... How is it that he came down from heaven and saith, or how is it that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. So he said, I am come down from heaven. Verse 42, the end of verse 42, it's, they told him that they came down, that he came down from heaven. Uh, look at verse 50. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. Uh, look at verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Verse 58. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your father did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth, eateth of this bread shall live forever. So this concept that it came down from heaven, apparently if repetition is God's volume control, here in John chapter 6, God really wants us to focus on this concept that the bread came down from heaven. What is the importance there? Well, it's not physical bread, and it's they're certainly not supposed to eat His body. This is a spiritual teaching. It's a spiritual teaching, and this, even our understanding of who Jesus Christ is, what limited understanding we have, is a gift from God. Are you thankful that you get to know Jesus? Amen. He is just, it is a wonderful thing, and He is the gift of God. Verse 35, And Jesus saith unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. This, this again, is... Um, this is kind of a formula that you see throughout the Gospel of John. You have to come to Him and you have to believe in Him. You have to come to Him and you have to believe in Him. That's the concept of repentance and belief. Repentance toward God and faith toward Jesus Christ. Go back to John 4. Again, the account of the woman at the well. Remember, He's already presented Himself as the living water. And look at verse 40. So when the Samaritans were come unto Him, 
they believed, or they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his word, because of his own word. So they came to him and they believed. So you've got to come to him and believe. Look at John chapter 7, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, is there a dispensational teaching right there? When was the Holy Spirit going to come? After the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then the Holy Spirit was going to come. Very important that you see those, those dispensational statements. And it's a parenthetical statement. Why? Because John wanted us to be sure that we understood. The Holy Spirit inspired John. God wanted us to understand that there's a significant change that happens when Jesus Christ died on the cross. But notice what's required here. He said, you come to me. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now, how is it that in John chapter 6, he said, eat my body and drink my blood, and so we have this Catholic communion that comes of it. But here in John chapter 7, he says the same thing, but what they're drinking, that living water that they're going to get is the Holy Spirit, and what they're drinking is believing completely in Him. Now, how many of you have ever read a book? Some of you need help. I can see this. Now, if you've ever read a book, have you ever heard this statement, I consumed that book? Right? It was so good, I, I just consumed that book. The, he consumes information. So, you're eating the book? You're eating the computer? You're eating the interweb? No, no. But you are, you are consuming the information. There's no way that that is confusing in the Bible. It's only confusing if you want to establish a religion whereby you can control people. See, if I tell you that, and you believe, that the only way that you can get to heaven is by the bread and the cup that I offer you, and if I withhold it from you, you can't go to heaven. You understand that there's about a billion people in the world that believe that way. They're right, And they're scared to death of that priest because he has the keys. They ha he has the keys of the kingdom. And it's a complete misinterpretation of Scripture that is easily dismissed from the Scriptures. Okay? So now, let's go back to John 6. So if you come, you come to Jesus and you believe in Jesus, that's what he's asking. So verse 35 again, And Jesus say, said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now, they have believed on him. I mean, sorry, they have seen him, but they haven't believed. They've seen him, but they haven't believed. Um, look with me at Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. And we have no problem saying we believe in God by faith. 
Amen? Everybody has faith in something. And you can say you have faith in the evidence. Well, we have, we have plenty of evidence for God if we believe it's God that's doing it. Isn't that right? And just like the skeptic might have faith that everything just happened. Well, we have evidence for that. Uh, not really. There are things that you are interpreting based on your godlessness that they just happened. We look at those same things, that same evidence, and say, well, obviously God did this. What's the difference? What you believe in. It's all based on faith. Don't ever let anyone tell you any different. Were you there? Any of you? Were you there? Gary Yates, you're looking pretty old. Were you there? <laughs> no. Yeah, you're just feeling like you were at this particular moment. None of us were there, so it's all by faith. So what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right? So that's, that's faith. Jesus said that you see me and believe. That's one thing. Look at John 20. Look at verse 26. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach thither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. Isn't that good? That's us. We haven't seen Him, but we believe. We haven't seen Him, but we believe. And that is what is required of us today. All right. Look at verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Isn't it wonderful that anybody that comes to Jesus, anyone that comes to Him, He'll save them. That's a blessing. You know, the, the Calvinist concept that... Um, only the elect can be saved. That's just not a scriptural concept. Anybody that comes to Him, He'll receive. Verse 38, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Do you see that? Raise it up again at the last day. Jesus says this three times. Look at verse 40. And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Uh, look down at um, verse 44. No man cometh to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So what is this? This is the threefold teaching of eternal security in the Gospel of John. If you come to Jesus, He won't cast you out, and He will raise you up again at the last day. That's just the simple teaching of Scripture. How many, do, do any of you here know any Catholics? Would you raise your hand? How many of those Catholics believe in eternal security? They believe that you have to eat the body and drink the blood. So here's the problem. They take the physical and make it spiritual... I'm sorry, they take the spiritual and they make it physical, and then they take the physical reality and ignore it. 
That, that is clearly the basis for a misinterpretation of the Bible. All right? Look at how many times he says everlasting life. Seven times where Jesus Christ teaches everlasting life in the text. Uh, look first at, let's see. Look at verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Everlasting life. I'll raise him up at the last day. Look at verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. That verily, verily, Jesus says verily, verily seven times in the Gospel of John. Isn't that interesting? Four times here and four times in the upper room. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Look at verse... um, I'm sorry, verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Look at verse 54. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 58. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Look at verse 68. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. So the promise of eternal life is given seven times in John chapter 6. So the passage that the Roman Catholic Church bases their communion on, and the thing that they say, if you stop taking this communion, you can't go to heaven, it doesn't make any sense at all. It makes no sense. Nowhere does it say that you have to keep doing this. So, uh, it is a clear distortion of the Scriptures. So, Jesus Christ, in verse 39, promises to raise them up again at the last day. Seven times everlasting life is spoken of in the text. And then that verily, verily is given to us seven times. Now, look at verse 48. Verse 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life... I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. He says that to them again in verse 58. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. You ate that bread, they're dead. You eat this bread, you're going to live forever. There's a contrast between the physical and the spiritual. The physical, you're going to die. The spiritual, you're going to live. And this is so interesting. If you are focused clearly on the physical and you reject the spiritual, you're going to die. So if you're here tonight and you just reject the spiritual reality, you're going to die, you're going to go to hell. That's all there is to it. If you believe, then you get to go to heaven. You get to have eternal life. That's the clear teaching of Scripture. All right, then look at verse 50. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die, and not die. Um, Look with me at, let's deal with the problem passage. Uh, Verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, how did he give his flesh for the life of the world? He died on the cross. Right? He died on the cross. 
Then, verse 52, The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Notice what Jesus always does. He does the opposite of what you do when your kids resist you. All right, you start teaching your children something. You say, clean up your room. You say, get in the car. You say, be quiet. I don't want you. Okay, okay, okay. Jesus, when he's resisted, what does he do? He pushes harder. He comes farther. You don't like this? You don't like this? Here's some more. You don't like this? Here's some more. You're going to listen to me. That's how Jesus Christ taught. And if you notice him as he teaches, he never shies away from confrontation. He never shies away from confrontation. And a good teacher, a good preacher, will always do the same thing. If you have somebody pushing back at you in a service, boom, hit it again, hit it again, hit it again. And that's why as a preacher, I'm always saying, look at me. Look, I want to see what's going on in your eyes. Because what the Bible says, the Bible often tells the preacher, let no man despise thee. That means don't let them ignore you or disregard you. Get their attention. Get their attention. If you're in here, you're going to listen. That's the idea. That's how Jesus Christ taught. Not because, now, Jesus Christ was worthy of being heard. right? And not because I'm worthy of being heard. I'm certainly not. But the message that I have is worthy of being heard. Let no man despise thee, the Bible says. So Jesus Christ pushes harder. And if you just stopped there, that would be very confusing, wouldn't it? But it doesn't stop there. Look at verse 55. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Now, you really would be dwelling in him. I mean, uh, he really would be dwelling in you if you ate him. Right? But But the converse is also there. Look at verse 57. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so... Do you see that in verse 57? As and so, so he that eateth me... Even he shall live by me. Does that mean that Jesus is continually eating the Father? No. No, no. It's abiding. It's believing. And we'll see that in a minute. Uh, Look at verse 58. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And uh, has anyone here been to the synagogue in Capernaum? Anyone been to that? I got to go and walk around in that. The original synagogue is gone, but the foundation is there. So you could walk around right where Jesus Christ taught this. Um, Verse 60, Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Now, is that a hypothetical question? No, because they're going to see him ascend up into heaven. And then, now, how many of you can see how, if you just had the previous statement, that it's confusing? But here's the next verse. It removes all confusion. It removes all confusion. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. What are they supposed to consume? What is the bread of life? It's the Word of God. 
It's the living word. If you want to have eternal life, what do you have to do? Believe the book. Believe the Bible. That's the same thing as eating His flesh and drinking His blood. When we take the Lord's Supper, what are we doing? We're not remembering this. We're remembering the supper that He instituted. This is not communion. This passage has absolutely nothing to do with communion. Isn't that an interesting thought to consider right now? Do you see that this passage has nothing to do with the Lord's Supper? It has to do with believing in Jesus and believing His Word. That's what it's about. And that's confirmed here. Let's read on. Look at verse 64. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray Him. And He said, and he said Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of the Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the body that we have to eat. What does he say? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Peter got the message. He understood the truth. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. For he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. So, you have belief is required, and then belief is rejected. You know, Judas, he saw everything. He saw everything that Jesus had done. You know, and, and he still didn't believe. That's what apostasy is. It's one who looks at revealed truth and turns from it. What a sad, sad thing. It's a, it's a horribly sad thing. So are you going to identify with Peter's statement or are you going to identify with Judas? Are you going to believe or are you going to not believe? And God knows. You're not fooling anybody. God knows. Amen? God knows. So the key to this text is Jesus Christ is the bread of life and He must be believed. Let's look just real quickly at the difference between manna and Christ. Uh, manna was the gift of God through the mediation of Moses. Jesus was given directly by God. Manna was given temporarily and it ceased in Canaan. Jesus is given continuously. You can receive Christ. Jesus is always here for you. Then manna was only given to Israel. Jesus is given to the whole world. And manna sustained physical life until death. Jesus sustains spiritual life, not until death, but forever. That's awesome. And there are three responses to Jesus. The first is verses 60 through 71. This is the unbelieving majority. The unbelieving majority. The majority of the people did not believe. They didn't believe. Then there's the believing minority in verses 67 through 69. And he said, will you go away also? And Peter said, no. To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And then verses 70 and 71, there's the professing apostate, the betrayer who is identified by Jesus a year before the act. So uh, what, what are our responses? We can believe, or we can not believe, or we can pretend to believe. Which one should we do? We should believe. So when Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, when Jesus said, you've got to eat my body and drink my blood, what does that mean? You've got to believe in Him with all your heart. You've got you to consume Him. You've got to give Him your all, and you have to believe in Him completely. You have to believe in Him completely.
What a wonderful passage of Scripture that is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word tonight.